If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, and welcome to the Christmas podcast. It's the last episode of the year. It's been a fantastic year of countryside adventures. But here I am in the studio, away from the cold, but warm, in the cosy with three of our podcast friends. Let me introduce them. We've got Patrick Galbraith, whose episode you heard last week, Hunter of Partridge. Patrick, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's nice to come in out of the cold. I think it's the coldest day we've had in a very long time. It's it's so reassuringly cold. How much snow? Did you have much snow down here? A little bit in Bristol. I live in Abergavenny where it's sort of it's like a pocket of it. missed us. Hit the hills, but missed us completely. The parks in London last, there was about five inches, I think. And despite it being Sunday night, the parks filled up with people who wanted to take the opportunity to, to get out there. Well, I love so. that. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was sweet, actually. Like 11 o'clock on a Sunday night, everyone out building snowmen. Brilliant. Well, welcome. Kev, Kevin Parr is here. Kev, you've recorded several episodes this year. I have. And I've got snow envy. Have you? You're not yeah. going down in Dorset? Not, no, one sort of little dusting, but but that was it. Really disappointing. It's very disappointing. Well, no. If this if this winter continues how it started, perhaps you will get some down there, and you can make your make your snowmen. And, exactly. Uh, how many how many white Christmases have you have you had, Fergus? In your oh, plenty, in your, uh, in seven, your time in Wales, yeah, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely in Wales. But it doesn't count. It doesn't seem to count nationally when it's Scotland, when it's Wales, Wales, or even yeah. the north of England. A regional white Christmas. It's sort of got to be in your part of the world, down the southeast, and then it's ticked off as a white Christmas. Anyway, our third guest is our producer because Jack, our normal producer, is off ill, and Hannah, our other regular contributor, is also away. Well, we've got Brittany, Brittany Collie. Yes, hello. hello. Thank you for having well, me. Well, thanks for stepping in. First time this side of the microphone for quite a while. This is brilliant. And you've got a particular connection to Countryfile, haven't you? I do. Can you tell everyone what it is? I can indeed. So my dad used to present Countryfile really? way back when, yeah. Who was, who was that? Michael Collie. But... He was one of the, before you were born. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah. like Matt Baker, well, or, you know, he's no. right, I was thinking, yeah. Actually, Countryfile <laughs> is older than you, Patrick. <laughs> How old is Countryfile? 32 years very old. Old. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, um, that's a very cool connection. Indeed. It is quite cool, and totally random as well. Well, that's Because I came in from a podcasting side of um, uh, side of things, and actually it's it's quite random that You're working where I'm working file. is actually with Countryfile. Have um, you featured on Countryfile as a... No. I don't think so. I think this is my first time featuring on a Countryfile. A Countryfile. Yeah. This is good. Fo- following exciting. in the family footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so Michael was Michael Colley was one of the first presenters. Is that right? Was he one of the, the initial team, or was he sort of part of the? No, I think he was part of. I might have to second say, wave. Quick, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. We're, 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 <laughs> quick googling. We're, we're, we're not allowed to Google <laughs> live on the podcast. But we sh- we will definitely get Michael and, and hear some of his stories. It'd be great to get him. How has the content evolved over the years? Oh my on goodness, Country we haven't got a long enough podcast. <laughs> in, we're going to stick to Christmas. In a word. Patrick. In a word. <laughs> uh, it has become probably less. Intensive farming. Oh, really? And perhaps more about the whole countryside experience would be how I would, how if I'm in a nutshell. But John Craven's been there since the beginning, and he has, I think, sort of yeah, from from then till now. So he's the ever present, Mm. and perhaps perhaps quite ever present in my life. Perhaps yours. Oh, completely. Yeah, news round. I mean, as well with John Craven. News around Swap Shop. These yeah, things. yeah, of course. Again, again. It's funny because Matt Baker, is it Matt Baker or Barker? Yeah, Matt Baker. Baker. I mean, he's been sort of present in my life through Blue Peter. He used to yeah, run home from school and watch Blue Peter. Oh, wow. Oh, okay, we'd be delighted to know. So um, <laughs> that's, uh, Patrick, you are, well, you're the uh, fellow editor, editor of Shooting Times. I am, yeah. And you've got a book out, uh, which we talked about last week, the In Search of One Last Song. So uh, we'll have a little... Perhaps that profit. I know, mean, Kev, you've also got a book coming out. Yes, in well, it, f- about a week's time from this broadcast. Oh my goodness! So um, 5th of January. Yeah, so we're coming out. They were recording this before Christmas. This is going to drop into your audio inboxes in the betwixtmas. Yeah. What's the book? It's called The Quiet Moon. Um, which and it's um. I've, I've mentioned it before, I think, but just a quick summation. It's kind of nature-based, but with a sort of mental health edge and with a Celtic tinge, just where I sort of explored my local um, environment um, and became sort of more interested in the sort of anthropology, not just the nature side of it, because there's a lot of sort of, uh, we've got Hillfort just behind us and there's a lot of Celtic. Wow. Influence on the landscape. So I which started, part of the which uh, West Dorset? I mean, wow. yeah, so yeah. in the hills, and um, so it just took a different level on and, and looking at the moons, using the moons um, as a kind of narrative thread, mm. um, and then trying to find out what the Celtic names for the moons might have been, which has been interesting. Quite a headache turned into quite a major <laughs> thread of the plot, but but it was really interesting. I wow. sort of learning about, yeah, brilliant. So. Watch out for that. The Quiet Moon, published by? Uh, it's it's Flint Books and History Press. Lovely. Okay, cool. 5th of January. Patrick, you should reveal a little bit about your book. I know we talked about it, it last week. It feels like so long ago, I can hardly remember what's in it now. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's... In Search of One Last Song. In yeah. Search of One Last Song, Britain's Disappearing Birds and the People Trying to Save Them. It's um, very much about birds. Uh, sorry, it's not very much about birds. It's it's very much about people and their interest in birds and a lot about sort of rural crafts and um, that sustained habitat. So things like reed cutting um, and coppicing. Um, and I went off to try and find um, these birds and, you know, some of them I think will be will be gone um, on the current trajectory they're on within a couple of decades. So it felt to me important to try and do that. Yeah, it's a great read. Mm. I look forward to reading yours, Kev. Uh, Britt, got any books that you'd like to plug while you're here? Not yet. Oh, okay. Maybe maybe one day. Oh, just remember It'll that. start off with this conversation. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Introduction. <laughs> Next Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Be, yeah. Um, well, I mean, the Christmas episode is a great opportunity just to actually meet up face-to-face with contributors with and, uh, and 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 absent friends Annabelle, who would normally have joined us, mm. who regular listeners will know Annabelle Ross, who has 
uh, helped helped me with so many podcasts over the last year. She's also ill. Everyone seems to be ill. So it's that sort of dark winter. We hope to bring a little light and joy. What this year, though, has brought you guys a bit of light and joy in the countryside? Is there anything that you... Uh, how about you, Britt? Let's start with you. Is there anything that you... Well, from a real um, sound perspective, which is quite um, yeah, nice. relevant. Yeah. Well, I went out a couple of times to record sound escapes for this, in fact, podcast. And um, and obviously being in a very sound sphere myself, um, professionally, but also um, I love, I just found that I was learning a real appreciation for the sounds of the countryside and and specifically listening out for what works in a in a production capacity and, and just being on holiday well the gower went to um the lake district lots of different places and suddenly going hold on no i know we're on a walk i know we've got somewhere to be but this sounds fantastic and so i found myself um in the gower next to Rosilli for example, on um, a place called the Devil's Bridge on, um, I think it's called Worm's Head. Oh, Worm's Head, yes, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and we ended up climbing, I don't recommend doing this, but climbing right to the edge of a cliff because I loved the sound of the echo of mm. the waves mm. coming in. And there were a load of seals below. And so it looked fantastic. But I was going, hold on, there's waves coming in over the pebbles and you're hearing the echo because there's two rock faces next to each other. And actually that I've really learned to... Um, love a lot more and appreciate so much mm. from just a the surroundings surroundings of being outside, but then also trying to then recognise from like the rock faces what that how that then changes the sounds. And so I found that immensely thrilling all year. I'd, I'd say. Wow, that's cool. So do you do you find that you just when you're walking outside now you're ju- you're you're sort of thinking about those sounds all the time. I think so I think I've always been a bit like that in terms of um, listening for bird song and just the real the more obvious parts of going for a walk and just the stillness and the sounds that come through and the difference between what a walk sounds like at night versus in the day and how the sound carries at night as well and just I've always been aware of those things but actually from a um, kind of from a, from a content side of things being a bit more um, uh, a bit more in tune if you bum bum with um, just what is going on around me and what that's sounding like and what people will, people and what, will appreciate yeah that then it's it's given me more of an appreciation which i found really interesting i think it's also fascinating how soundscapes change over time yeah so mm-hmm. i went to see a sculptor in orkney um about a year ago and he was saying to me that when he goes back to shetland which is where he's from mm. and he listens to the cliffs there the the kitty wakes to him are a sort of absent now whereas when he was young there was just you know the the cliffs were alive with the the cry of kitty wakes mm. which is really really fascinating. oh that's sad this is, this really is your sad. book coming through again this <laughs> is lost well, there melancholy was, there was a there's a, a poet i spoke to for the book and she said to me uh, a lady called katrina porteous that to, to her good poetry starts with listening which mm. i think is a really interesting thing and so often we look and focus on looking but we don't listen to the same extent mm. wow well keep listening to our sound escapes everyone that's, <laughs> we, we try and find those from around around the country and trying to explore exactly what mm. you were you must do more um patrick what about you how's this year what's what's what would you look back on as i mean you've written a book yeah the book. That's, that's true cool, but um is there any sort of particular experience out the countryside or 
thing that's happened that has well i think funnily enough that i'm i'm working currently on a, a sort of art installation that that's to do with recording sound and and recreating a chapter from the book which was really interesting so a lot of recording sound and kind of um we were spent a lot of time in rochdale recording sound along a canal and that was fascinating so like the sound of locks and so on but to me until actually some people tried to steal our recording equipment when we were there i found myself as the sun came up running along the canal in rochdale it's quite um thrilling experience but also a year of bird flu i think has been a has been a massive thing this year so you know for everybody really it's been a really tragic thing and quite a sort of post-apocalyptic thing and i certainly think that within the the shooting world people are thinking about the way they do things um and sort of stocking densities and you know didn't used to be the case that people imported birds when they were shooting they would very often be rearing their own birds um just before I got here, I was reading a piece by the chairman of the National Gamekeepers Organization, or rather the, the former chairman of the National Gamekeepers Organization, and he was saying he thinks we're going to see people going back to um, doing what people used to do in terms of having a, a stock of their own birds, which is which is really fascinating. I think a lot of people don't know that birds are imported. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's something which... Um, Might that mean a kind of return to grey partridges, or are they not as good to or as easy to rear well people with gray partridges traditionally didn't rear their own so right. they did that with pheasants anybody who's been watching lady chatterley's lover um there's a new lady chatterley's lover that looks like a very very sexy adaptation of lady chatterley's lover i'm not <laughs> they, i'm not watching myself <laughs> yeah yeah but this one particularly um <laughs> right okay which channel is that on <laughs> <laughs> what time <laughs> um, no but um um, so grey partridges were were sort of a natural wild bird, um, mm. as as those of you who listen to the, the podcast episode I did with Fergus will know. So I th I think they've done badly because of the mass release of red legs. Yes. So it might be the case that you know I was on a on a shoot a couple of weeks ago in Norfolk and there were wild greys there, but there were lots and lots of reared red legs. And you know if if it was the case next year that they couldn't get the birds for whatever reason, and this year people struggled to get the birds because of bird flu in Europe, then uh, yeah people might go back to smaller bags and wild birds which I think lots of people including myself would think was a very good thing yeah less pressure on the countryside perhaps from releasing quite so many birds and grey partridges delicious delicious is it, uh, yeah okay well, we're, we're they're handsome birds as well I like I do like them. oh yeah they're amazing they're, very, they're so and just they're cool um, yeah and they're yeah. such the, the cocks are such pugnacious little birds which I think is, is a really charming I can ask you to do the call one more time thing <laughs> it's a really hot there's sort of scratchy c c cutting call as they fly away I, I'm not a uh, I, I can't remember what did they call those people who used to be able to whistle like nightingales and so on Oh gosh, there is a word. Yeah, I've got a. I've got a, well. Listeners will have heard me using the nightingale whistle. Oh really? Uh, that uh, Hannah bought me for my birthday, which uh, you fill with water and you blow through. Really? It. I made a really ineffective. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do it quite right, but uh, did make some pretty noises. Kev, how about you? Um, Moments of it's been. It's actually of... talking about nightingales, and I missed the nightingales this year. There's only one or two pairs left at Orna's Gorse, and the night I went up was a bitterly cold night in May. We had some really chilly evenings and um, and I timed it to coincide with um, silage cut in the, in the next door field. So you couldn't hear much. Oh yeah, um, oh, that's bad luck. So that was a disappointment. But otherwise this year's been, uh, as, uh, yeah, as Patrick's saying about avian flu, that's, that's like a, a spectre hanging over everything, isn't it? It's quite, quite a worry. And chatting to a friend, um, 
in Southampton who I think a couple of days ago he was um he knows the peregrines quite well and there's a there's a pair that nest on the building by his workplace and he got to work and someone was cradling the mail um oh no yeah it, it, even the even the raptors get and, and as that's well. and okay. the, the vet who came and and um put it to sleep said that's the fourth peregrine really? in wow. southampton so it's even taking out taking out the well, whole buzzards food chain. it's meant to hit quite hard mm. interestingly it seems to hit pheasants a lot harder than it's hitting partridges which is that's a strange thing and somebody was saying to me they think it's maybe because pheasants roost in quite close proximity whereas partridges tend to be out in the open so yeah which you know it's all sorts of people have all sorts of theories but you know it's an interesting one to add to the yeah, theory yeah. otherwise I've been um, obviously looking for snakes doing oh, some yes. fishing obviously ob- obviously, obviously yeah, looking for snakes um, Kev, Kev's our chief adder hunter <laughs> I found, uh, and, uh, oh, I've had a really nice um, encounters with a melanistic uh, adder this year that I found the quite, black adder the black really? adder I found it quite early and it was in a really um well, you found it. Well, no, it's probably February, right, mid February. Okay. I found I see, it, yeah. and um, and it's been in the same little area all year, um, and it, it's so prominent. And I went one day, and it looked, it looked like someone had you know, chucked a poo bag, dog poo bag. Really? Because okay. there's just this black. Is it shiny? Is it sh- yeah. yeah, I think yeah, I've been yeah. passing wow. a lot of black adders there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Of, of, of South Wales, yeah. I mean, you don't want to pick Huge either of them up. Like. <laughs> do you get white? Do you get white adders? I've never seen one, but you do. Do you? Wow. Yeah, but they're much rarer because I think the I think the white is yeah, it's, it's a more of a, a well, they get odd anomaly by e- eaten by that's eaten, it. Yeah. What eats it? What 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 would eat an adder? Um, Apart from mongoose, obviously. The, <laughs> there's plenty of mongoose down <laughs> Dorset. Buzzards would and um, and kestrels and uh, I mean on the ground you get pheasants. Actually, that's that's a bit of an issue. Yeah, that's really fascinating, isn't it? Which um, and I don't know how much research has been done into the impact of pheasants on reptiles, but I think it's something that will probably happen. I think at Essex University they were doing, there's a guy there called... Exeter. Exeter, Exeter, Exeter. sorry. Sorry, I knew there was an E E and an X in it. A guy called Joa Madden, which is a wonderful name. He's he's starting to research quite a lot of that stuff. Yeah, there should should be some interesting findings. And I think, you know, if it just provides that balance, because I don't think we're going to... You know, it's that sort of balance between shooting and making it Mm. a benefit to wildlife, because that's one of the big calls you know one of the big sort of claims of shooting is it's it's benefits to biodiversity yeah yeah which has you know there's a really strong case for that but it sort of falls away if if you have like billion millions mm. of birds yeah billions yeah. Of, no, yes right if you have millions of birds so you can edit that if you have millions of birds <laughs> um it, it must have some sort of impact yeah so, yeah uh, definitely you know, so there's, there's a happy balance to be made i think and ha- but habitat loss is the that's the key with adders for, for, for adders for and probably all reptiles yeah. 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 yeah but some are more grass snakes are a bit more pioneering yeah. um, did, did we ever this is a, a silly question but did we have snakes that we no longer have have there been um, possibly I could get really boring here but yeah, the, the, es- the Escalapian boring podcast <laughs> the Escalapian <laughs> snake and there's two little pockets of of um, snakes one in London one in North Wales that are both, um, I think the sort of, is it Colwyn Bay? I think where the, the sort of the zoo is in North Wales. There was an escape about 40 years ago. And if you go into 
Regent's Park in London along the canal. You can mm. see es- escalation snakes. Really? It's a possibility that they were introduced here, or a probability they were introduced by the, by the Romans because really? they took wow. them around. I can I can tell you the story. Maybe quickly. you should book on snakes after this. But I'd, I'd, like I'd quite like that. I'll <laughs> tell you. I'll, I'll bore you the story quite quickly because it's quite nice because it's an odd name. But um, basically, in ancient Rome, there was a plague, and um, and in desperation, they called on the Greek god of healing, who is Aesculapius. Um, and he came by boat, and as he went up the Tiber, he took the form of a snake and slithered onto land, and then the plague was, was uh, you know, was sorted. And um, so the Romans decided that this snake, which became known as the Aesculapian snake, um, had healing properties. So wherever they sort of oh, took over new countries, they take these snakes and release them in the temples. And the main food of escaping snakes is rodents. So, oh wow! So there's a it sort would have been of helping. yeah, not also, with COVID though, I guess, because this. <laughs> but the, if you look at um, you know the sort of the symbol of the sort of international Red Cross or or the whatever. There's a there's a snake wrapped around. Oh yeah, and that's, and that's an well, like yeah. pharmacies and stuff. Yes, that's all yeah. the snake uh, wrapped around. Yeah, that's an escalopian uh, snake. Wow. That's fascinating. So basically the rodents, they kept diseased down. Yeah. We're all... Uh, I love always, that. I'll be boring people with that over Christmas. You'll never guess what. That is a good Christmas <laughs> anecdote, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as it is Christmas, I've, I've, got, I've got a happy... We've had some gloomy bird flu stuff, that, but it's... Uh, I was uh, My happiest, well, absolute best moment was that canal trip we did with Jack and Hannah, which will be a podcast coming out next year, where we just sat by the most it was the most glorious day sitting by an autumn canal catching little fish chatting and uh well i think i think we all agreed it was like it was a mental fantastic. health day yeah. for the podcast team <laughs> and eating i mean the food god hannah the sandwiches hannah made were yeah, well, unbelievable recipe will be given away in that yeah podcast. and and jack's brownies, jack's brownies. That's what i only got to eat on the way home as he sort of ran and and pass it. Sounds really, really tough being on the, uh, yeah, on the yeah, yeah. country farm. It was really team. Cider was good as well. Well, since we're talking about food and drink, it might be an opportunity to <laughs> explain to you what this thing on the table is. It's a little Christmas present to you all from me. It is booze. It's homemade booze. Now, we've had homemade booze on the podcast before, which is quite successful. I'm less confident about this one. But it seemed like a good opportunity to, to dive in with this. I'm going to open... It's a bottle of blackcurrant jam wine which i made this earlier this year one i made earlier god cork is disintegrating how how do you actually make what's the what's well, the process i had loads of jars of blackcurrant jam which just weren't getting eaten so right, right already the fruit is mixed with sugar okay so that's half the battle one and then you just add various throw other yeast things. in and yeah yeah there's a few other things <laughs> a cup of tea Oh tally. really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's it. Oh, no, well, I'm quite excited. Pop as the cork <laughs> came out there. Uh, I've got these lovely. Oh dear! Can I? I just want a very. I've got a. I've got a. I've got a drive, and I had two glasses of sherry at lunch. Okay, so. well, look, have a very small one. I've got a drive as well. So. I don't have to drive. So not do I. So I guess it's well, listen, <laughs> we'll be I'm, sharing it then. I'm not confident about the colour. I mean, it's a really weird colour. It's you, like Ribena that's been left. <laughs> Are you sure you haven't mixed up a sample you should have taken to the doctors? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, it's sort of autumnal. 
um, blush, but it doesn't look like any wine. It's quite thick. Mm, a syrup. Yeah, mm. this is okay. So you be completely honest with this. <laughs> There's only five more bottles in existence. So Patrick, there we Thank go. You. Brit, grab a glass here. Um, firstly, what does it smell like? Because I've lost my sense. It smells quite good. I mean, it smells like jam. It, it does smell, smell. Like jam. Mm, yeah. Right. The, the main thing is, as long as it doesn't taste like vinegar. And it doesn't smell like vinegar. It smells... It smells whiny. Mm. Mm. Cheers. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. It's not vinegar yet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's be... Mm. It's definitely in the same family as, as wine. wine. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a distant might cousin. Might be a distant relative. Yeah. I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Mm. I mean, it's that's yeah. quite. That's. I think that's the best I could hope for. I think that's okay think with a source okay. of surprise mm. in your voice. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no nasty aftertaste. Mm. I think it, the smell really complements it. Like mm. actually, as a whole, I think if you could, maybe Fergus says you can't smell, you're you are actually getting a very different experience. Yeah. But it is very complimentary. And there's a little bit of fizz. I can just about guess it. Mm. A little bit of fizz. That's a bit weird because it's not supposed to be sparkling. Mm. I was going to say it smells more like prosecco than it does wine. Yeah, it does, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah. then yeah. it Black tastes. Mm. It's, it, but it's like flat prosecco. When people give you a prosecco with a drop of sort of uh, cassis, yeah. 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 Mm. yeah, yeah, that's what this is. Yeah. There we go. Ready mixed. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, happy Christmas. Yeah. Patrick and Kev are pouring it down Jeez. the plug hole. Well. <laughs> 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 Cheers. Oh, yes. Never. Cheers. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Well, great to have you here. Did you forage the for the jam originally, or what's the yeah? I, 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 then went to the jam hedge and uh, and and plucked it. No, it was um, a friend had a huge glut of black currants and kindly gave me about ten jars. And I love black currant jam. But yeah, I can't eat ten yeah. jars of it. And uh, so I was going to say that's a positive this year. The the fruit, yeah, have yeah, just been unbelievable. Well, the heat was extraordinary. Yeah, you know, people. I met I met a man in Manchester who had had two. Uh, crops from his fig tree and he was telling me he'd never had that before. Wow. Goodness me. It has been ridiculous. I've got a freezer full of hard one, well, not even hard one, easy one, chestnuts, yeah. black, blackberries. Mm. And my mum and dad, they got an apricot tree up against the garage wall and they had over a hundred apricots. Wow. And they are so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So there's a blessing with heat waves and weird climate. With, yeah. yeah. Climate change. Some yeah. Sort of, uh, well, there's been a lot of blossom out this mm. autumn as well when it shouldn't mm. have been. Yeah. Mm. Oh, gosh. I try not to look at that. No, no. This nice cold slap, snap, will slap it back down. Of course, this wine's gone to my head. Um, <laughs> can't speak. Uh, well, we, yeah, we've, we've, we've looked back. What about looking forward? What are you hoping for in 2023? We'll, we'll do a reverse order this time. Kev. Uh, looking forward to next year. I'm looking forward to, um, gosh. Your book, of course. My, like thank you, of, thank like, you. Yeah. All the listeners now. Yeah. Selling pre-orders, copies oh, yeah, and, yeah. and for Signing. the publisher to say we're going to do a second run and then and then a third and then... The feature in various magazines. Shooting Times might carry it. They that might. true. Yeah. And they, I might, they, they featured my book. They had a very positive review did uh, to my book. Yeah. Yeah. How funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really... Yeah. You must <laughs> know someone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But um, yeah, that would be good. Might even get a royalty check. That might be, that would be, be good, quite yeah, a treat. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I think I quite like living with the seasons, fishing at certain times of year for certain species, and then just looking forward to to things happening. First, Selendine is always an exciting moment. Um, 
first adder of the year is exciting and then just waiting for the migrants i just um yeah i think that's that's a nice thing so i just like to wait for it to come to me rather than go out too hard looking for yeah that's one of my problems is that i get so excited by spring i go into a mad frenzy of trying to see everything trek across the land to hear a lesser spotted woodpecker get exhausted and by late spring I'm done, I'm done with it <laughs> yeah it's like your book in minute in sort of but done in three weeks um, yeah you know, trying to see one last one last cookie of course there's always another cookie but uh, Patrick what about you what's what's uh... I'm really I keep on trying to do my um, deer stalking certificate level one and I want to finally get it done next year because I would like to um i'd like to do more deer stalking i'd like to do more muntjac stalking um because muntjac are delicious and i'm sure as you know everybody knows they're quite destructive uh, to nightingale habitat and to sort of habitat of lots of birds so i would like to i'd like to it's just also being i don't know if you've ever stalked but being out really early in the morning when the muntjac are out and the sun's coming up is just such a beautiful I time did, to I, be out a month or so ago i went out with a with a stalker. Oh, I think you mentioned that was yeah, yeah. Record, which, and recorded for us. Yeah, which it's going to be interesting. Yeah, next autumn, I think probably. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, I think it's perhaps, be interesting. But, and it was. It was. And, and his passion and his. I think his care, the care he had for the deer. Yeah. Um, was just astonishing, and the, I think you know that really comes across well. It's sort of, you know, it's not something. I'd necessarily want to do, but equally, it was really nice to sort of share that sort of space. And also, love someone. of trees. I think. I mean, I yeah. just came down from the Ardnamurchan Peninsula, and I was staying there with my uncle, who was very keen on stalking and was actually a professional stalker when he was young, was employed up there. And um, for him, really, it's about the trees. His love of yeah. trees, and he'd been out just before I came up because he's working on a new um, a sort of regen project with with oaks up there and they've got quite a few roe deer in there so they're trying to kind of clear them out and that night we were eating some of the roe that he'd shot there a month or so previously so it's it's a really I think that's one of the fascinating things with stalking is just it gives you an understanding or, or really forces yes. you to have an understanding of, of the landscape in lots of different ways and and it's such an important thing on that score just to yeah. because there's nothing there to move the deer around and I tell Naturally. you, we, we did an interesting thing. We did a poll at shooting times on, because lots of people can't get turkeys this year. And we said, you know, if you had to have something else for Christmas, what would you have? And the options were pheasant, partridge, goose, and uh, muntjac deer. No, no, just venison. Sorry, it was less specific. And venison came out about 76%. Oh, really? really interesting, wow. and you think, well, why? You know, why not then? Because it's you know, not expensive. I mean, I no. eat a lot of it yeah. locally because there's a various sort of game, well, stalkers and game dealers, and it's it's not expensive for a haunch of venison. It's delicious. Mm. Britt, how about you? Twenty twenty three. Well, a lot of adventure. I think for me, I have recently got into trail running, and so a lot of my countryside. Um, experiencing at the moment is finding new runs, finding new routes. And I've um, signed up for an ultra run in May, um, which is in Exmoor, Exmoor National Park. Um, And I'll be running uh, through Linton and Limerth and the Valley of the Rocks and hoping to see lots of Exmoor ponies. And but it, it, for the in the training for that, I'm going to have to find a lot more routes in the southwest um, that are, that are very hilly. So I, my first um, big training run was in Cheddar, which obviously Ooh. and 
the climb up brutal, then the 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 rundown equally as brutal. So um, I'm really looking forward to the adventure side of things and the countryside. How long is an ultra run? Uh, it's 58 kilometers. What? 58. So about oh 30 goodness. miles. I think that's right. Um, when do you like how? Is that like five till five or six till six or how does that actually well, work? Well, so it'll start at about eight o'clock right. and then essentially at that distance, as far as I'm aware, I haven't done an ultra run before, mm. um, but it's more about actually covering the distance. So a lot of it will be walking like I will not be running oh, right. up the hills. Okay, yeah. um, so I expect it'll probably take me about eight hours. Wow. Um, so the training has already started and I'm already quite scared, but I'm loving it. And I'm I found scared that. for you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Really, I'm, I find it quite daunting even to think about that. Yeah. But I just, I found, so I did my first marathon this year and did a lot of the training on trail. And actually, therefore, I had quite a few friends who also did um, their first marathon this year. And wow. they didn't love the training as much. And I think it's because I took it off road. And so the training for me was like this glorious excuse to go and be outside for four hours every Sunday, five hours every Sunday. And actually that then changed it. I feel like I had a different training experience from everybody else. Yeah. So then I thought, right, I mean, half of it is how far can I go before I go? Nope, not worth it anymore. But actually the idea of getting back into it so much that every Sunday, a long run day, I'm actually outside for six hours and just covering distance and exploring the Southwest. And you um, love that. I love it. Do so you? far I do. Gosh, that's really, really <laughs> I don't know awesome. how many hours it will be um, on my feet before I'll go, no, hate it, not worth it. I don't want to do it anymore, which I'm hoping will be somewhere in between naught to um, 58 kilometers because it's quite intense. Very. So if I do one that's more, it's just that's where all my time is going. <laughs> is it right that running off road is better for you physically than? Well, it's the ground is softer, so it's yeah. better for your joints. But yeah. it's a different; it's a it's almost a different sport. Oh, really? Because you need to be engaging your core much more. You need mm. to be much stronger. You need to do a lot more strength and conditioning. So, essentially, yes. In terms of people always say, "Oh, running is bad for your knees," which is partially true. Um, but actually, as if we go right back to um, how. Uh, originally humans would run it's barefooted and it's not on tarmac no. so in a really simple answer yeah i think it is actually better for you mm. however there are then because of the way humans have evolved there are a lot of problems with trail running as well and you just have to be getting strong at the same time yeah yeah that oh, makes goodness. sense wow well, I'm really impressed. Thank You're you. full of revelations. We have to get you on regularly now. Oh, yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, Jack, if you're listening, you've got some, you've got some hard work to do here. So. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so, well, let us know what your plans are for 2023. We love to hear. We love to hear what you're up to. Uh, anything about the podcast or anything about the countryside, do send in your thoughts and emails and tweets and Instagram messages. You can email me editor at countryfile.com and the very best email that we get each week the very best message we will select a book from the podcast library possibly one of patrick's books or possibly one of kevin's books and we'll send it out to as i say best of the week um look forward to that please do don't be shy we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
Uh, Kev, I, I gather you've got, before we go, you've got something exciting to it's, share with us all. It's the uh, podcast Christmas quiz. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that, say that again. It, it, it's the podcast Christmas yes! quiz. Yes, excellent, <laughs> excellent. Last year, I I just wrote a list of, because I got the train up and I wrote a list of all the birds I saw from the train and then everyone had to stand up and then name a bird that would be on the list and then sit down when they got one wrong. But this year, I've... It's a strange kind of party game. It was, yeah. yeah. It was this, this is proper. This is proper oh 20 questions. Wow. Okay. But they're multiple choice. Um, Fergus is going to be at a distinct advantage. Okay. Maybe but, I'll, um, I'll, I'll just... Can I... Yeah, we, we, everyone needs a, a, a piece of paper. Oh, do we need to... Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, if I can... And then the winner, there is a prize. It's... Um, it's there is a prize for the winner. Not another bottle of Fergus's. Uh, yeah, no, it's two bottles. <laughs> <laughs> that second prize. It's about as underwhelming as a prize might be, but there's sentiment behind it. Okay, oh, wonderful. Wow. So it's a surprise, a surprise prize. A surprise. Oh, so, yes. Okay, fine. Okay. But it's themed well, around... Well, I don't think I should win, I th- I would, but I'll give it a go. Well, no, because everyone's got a chance, I think. Okay, well, good, and some good. of them are very easy. Okay. So we'll have to rattle through. Yeah. Uh, 20 okay. questions, yeah. Could be, yeah. 20 questions. Um, a to D, it's all multiple choice. First question. Uh, the first round is all about this last series oh, on okay. the podcast. Well, I do have an advantage there. Yeah, that's good. But so I know, Patrick, you've listened to them all. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so Annabelle went to Folk by the Oak and she saw the Proclaimers. But from who or where did they hope to receive a letter in 1987? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Was okay. it A, Santa Claus, oh, yeah. B, America, C, Westeros, D, Their Beloved? Okay. Could you sing it? <laughs> when you go, will you send back a letter from Santa Claus? <laughs> Uh, Fergus, question two, Fergus visited Hander Island to see the seabird colonies, but what seabird has the Latin name Puffinus Puffinus? Is it A, a Manx Shearwater, B, a Gannet, C, Great Skewer, D, Puffin? It, it, it can't be that easy. A, Manx Shearwater, B, Gannet, C, Great Skewer, D, Puffin. Cool. Okay. Episode six in this series features Jenny Agatha, but in which 80s horror film did she star? A, Poltergeist, B, Hellraiser, C, American Wolf in London, D, A Nightmare on Elm Street. That's hard. That, I only know one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it's that. I'll tell you what's a good film is a Walkabout, Jenny Agatha. Oh, that's, yes. yeah, that's fantastic. That's a really, really good film. Very strange. Yeah. Uh, question four Fergus joined Dominic Cousins in the New Forest to look for firecrests but how much on average does an adult firecrest weigh in grams A 1.5 B 5.5 C 10.5 D 27 which is an ounce I'm so glad this is multiple choice (laughs) (laughs) if it helps they weigh the same as a 20p piece. That helps so much. Uh, James Fair visited Tyree to search for corn crates. Um, but what is the population of Tyree, which is in the Hebrides? Human population. Or the the human population. population. Human population, according to um, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> a, it's uninhabited. 
B, 67. C, 285. D, 653. Annabelle visited River Cottage HQ and met Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. But what river flowed past the original River Cottage? Was it A, the Stour? B, the Brit? C, the Axe? Or D, the Froom? The Brit. Gosh, there we go. Spoiler alert, but that was my answer because I don't know the answer. But that's my name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is tough, actually, no? The Stour, the Brit, the Axe, or the Froom? Hannibal Taylor stripped naked to deliver the feather speech in which London Park? A. Bushy Park B. Green Park C. Regent's Park D. Hyde Park Question 8. If Hugh Fernley Whittingstall and Hannah Bourne Taylor were to separate and then marry and then keep a quadruple barreled surname how many letters would be in their surname? Bourne Taylor Fernley Whittingstall a, 31, B, 32, C, 33, D, 34. Question nine. Um, I visited Egerton Hill and spoke to Cameron and Charlotte Farquharson about their campaign against out-of-controlled dogs. But what was the name of the cow after which the campaign is, is named, which I think Fergus is the only one who's got any hope? Was it A, Gladys, B, Ermintrude, C, Daisy, D. Bonnie. Okay, mm, question 10. Fergus visited Anglesey to see Chuffs and Curlews. But which comedian was born on the island of Anglesey? Oh, there was a very good Radio 4 series that he did recently. You're going to find out with a multiple. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Interesting. Um, a. Rod Gilbert. B. Victoria Wood. C. Dawn French. Or D. Benny Hill. Wow. So that was 10 questions already. That's 10 questions already. Should we just rattle through the rest? Yeah, yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. Let's do it. Great. Uh, okay, these are these are questions about the cover, five questions about the covers of Country Farm Magazine. Again, Fergus might have a slight advantage. <laughs> you do forget, them. though, when you're editing a magazine what the... Yeah, yeah, that's true. And obviously it's not really about the magazine. But anyway, question one, the Christmas edition um, features Oxfordshire, which is the county of dreaming spires. But according to OxfordChurches.com, how many active churches are there in Oxfordshire? This is... Oh, I can't believe you even <laughs> need the multiple <laughs> choice of that. Yeah. Come on, we is all it, know yeah. this. Is it A, 96? I've got a massive advantage here. B, 297. C, 401. D, 583. But you can imagine someone like Oxfordshire having, having a, a few. Lot. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to know how many vicars... There mm, are, you know, yeah. doing the probably yeah. fewer, yeah, probably ten. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They'll all be full this Christmas. <laughs> Six of the first day. time, yeah, first time this year. They're all full. Uh, question two: um, The rivers special featured a kingfisher on the cover, um, which is part of the family Alcidinidae. Yeah. Pronunciation probably not quite right. But how many species wide, yeah. are there in that family worldwide? So how many how many kingfisher species are there in the world? Oh, oh interesting. Right. interesting. A seven, B forty five, C one hundred and fourteen, D one thousand and twenty seven. I mean, it's a big range there. Right. <laughs> it'll be more. I bet it'll be more than you think. Uh, number three, the Jubilee special um, featured the River Thames, but how long is the Thames in miles? 
Oh, well, this is debatable because we've done a podcast on this. We measured it three times and got three different answers. Okay, well, uh, no, which is good because I've left a bit of a gap between them. Okay. So again, this is according oh, to... Okay, excellent. Excellent. Wikipedia. A, 215. B, 232. C, 256. D, 323. If you measure the furthest distance of the, the longest tributary at the source, it is longer than the River Severn. Oh, really? Much longer. What's the longest river in seven. the UK? It's the Severn. Seven, yeah. Seven, yeah. But the Thames viably is, yeah. It's interesting. It doesn't count, though. Yeah. Well, and, the, and the question master's answer is final. That's, that's, yeah, the, um, the, you, the, the coast special. The I know, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, whatever you say, Kev. Uh, the coast special featured a rock formation on the coast of Dorset, which is known as the Old Something Rock. But are they the old William Rocks, the old Harry Rocks, the old Zara Rocks, or the old Beatrice Rocks? Uh, number five, uh, the Summer Escapes issue featured Glenfinnan Viaduct, which was used in the Harry Potter films. How many arches does it have? A17, B21, C25, or D38? Oh, I'm just picking a letter which we haven't had for a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, round three, mega bonus points round. Oh, this is the last five questions. Yeah. Okay, okay, round three. So it's slightly different. Mega bonus points, okay. Yeah. RSPB Garden Birdwatch list last year, top 10 birds that were recorded in gardens in the UK. Just name one of those species. You get one point for a correct answer, but three points if no one else says the same answer. Oh, so we have to name one species. One species of the top 10 most common birds in the RSPB bird list. One point Ooh. for a correct answer, three if no one else says the same. Okay. Um, there are six species of reptile native to the UK. Name one of them. You get one point for a correct answer, three if no one else says the same. Question three, and obviously we get or you get listeners in the United States, so a slight American theme. Uh, there are eight U.S. states that begin with the letter M, M for mother. Name one. M for mother. Yeah, you get one point for a correct answer, three if no one else says the same. Question four. Uh, a couple of questions now about Bristol, because we're in Bristol. The Bristol Bridges Walk, in which you can cross every bridge that spans a waterway in Bristol without retracing your steps. It's 45 kilometres long. How many bridges are there? You get five. It's a number that's... It's a double-figure number, so it's less than 100. More oh, we than have to make a, it's closest to that. You get five points if you're exact, three if you're within five, and one if you're within ten. So pick a number between nine and 100. Between nine and 100? Yeah. It's quite a range, isn't it? It's quite a range. Yeah. In fact, it's, yeah, now I'm reading it, I'm thinking that's a real <laughs> stinky, stinky question. That's okay. We could all score. Someone could score very highly here. Yeah. And then finally, Bristol finished 10th in a survey by OPP. I don't know who they are. In a list of the 10 happiest cities to work in the UK, name any one of the other nine. Happy cities to work in. Okay. Okay, you're scoring yourselves. Okay, cool. Got to be, got to be honest. Yeah. Um, proclaimers. 
Who did they want to receive a letter from or where? America. Yay, B is correct. Uh, Puffiness Puffiness is the Latin name for the Manx Shearwater. Oh, yes. Yes. What letter was that? A. Oh, no, I did not get that. Oh, nice. Um, Jenny Agata featured in American Wealth in London. Oh, yes. Was that C? C. Are you on three for three, folks? Three for three, We have to do an arm (laughs) wrestle if it's a draw (laughs) in the traditional uh, rules of the Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a podcast. It'd have to be a rap battle. No one can see an arm wrestle. Oh, God, yeah, I hope I want it to be a draw. (laughs) Spitting some bars about uh, chub fishing. Brit's a secret rapper. Well, I'm... Losing so far, so I'm safe. (laughs) But that final mega bonus points round. That's true. Um, A firecrest weighs on average 5.5 grams. Oh, yes. Was B. B. Yeah, yeah, still there. Oh, yeah. This is really, really tight. I can't take it. (laughs) Population of Tyree, 653. Uh, Is it D? Was it? Okay. What did you go, 285? Uh, Yeah, I thought it was I think James said 300 in the podcast. Did he? Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Okay, that's cool. One, one down. One yeah, I mean, Wikipedia could be wrong. Could be. Yes, that well-known, <coughs> reliable source. I know, it's so reliable. <laughs> um, the River Cottage, uh, the river that flowed past, was the Brit. Oh, <gasps> what? Yeah. Did you get that? Yeah. yeah. Which so was annoying. me. I'm pleased about that. I went with the axe. I mean, sorry, I absolutely knew that answer. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> the stour's right on the, uh, right, yeah. on the other side of the country, isn't it? Uh, there's a stour down there, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah, the other side, but it's the, the other side, side of the, of the county. county. Oh, yeah. I was thinking, you know. Uh, Hannibal Taylor did the Featherstone Beach in Hyde Park, which was D. Mm. Mm. Nice, got that, got that. Anyone want to venture how many letters were in? I went 31. Uh, a, whatever A was. No, sure. it's 33. What was that? C. C, yes. Oh, but when oh, I counted oh. it, I got 27. Yeah, I got 20. So I don't think that was right, but... I only got 29 when I counted it. What did you go for, Patrick? I went for 31. Uh, There's an E on the end of Bourne. There's a, uh, an extra E in Fernley. Uh, but where? Well, after F- the R? F-E-A-R. Yeah. N-L-E-Y. Yeah, that's what I went. I clearly just can't count. I wrote it down correctly. Oh, I didn't include Fernley. Oh, I've right. missed a whole word in you my count. Sure. Still got the, <laughs> I, I still can see. I can see, yeah. <laughs> um, the cow uh, was called Gladys. Oh, no. I've started to read it. I'm afraid I, I did do that. Yeah. Having just edited that podcast. <laughs> uh, comedian born on Anglesey was Dawn French. Really? Wow. I did not know that. That is why. I, you have to ask her parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just, yeah. Curious. Curious. There are 583 uh, churches active in Oxfordshire, which was D. D, yes. yes. Oh, no, I went for 297. Big county. 114, yeah. 114 species of kingfisher in the world, which wow. is C. Gosh. Wow. wow. I went brilliant. Yeah, I went 45 as well. Yeah, that's a lot of kingfishers. Mm. The River Thames, according to my sources, is 215 miles long, which is A. A yeah. Think of that, then. Uh, the old Harry Rocks. Oh yes. Oh. B. Why are they called that? Uh, do you know? I don't know, and I've got lots of family in Swanage, which overlooks the old Harry Rocks that I don't know. So I'll hang my head in shame. <laughs> um, Twenty-one arches uh, in the Glenfinnan Viaduct, which was B. Oh, I got that wrong. And then name a bird in the top ten 
RSPB Garden Bird Watch List. Brit. So I went for Blue Tip. Oh, which I'm really hoping that no one else did. Anyone else say that? No, no. Oh, yes. Three points. Fergus. Red. Not in the list. Oh, not in the top ten. Zero points. Oh, really? Disaster. Disaster. Paddy. I I went for a pretty obvious one. I hope it's in there. Uh, The wood pigeon. Correct. Three points. Um, What else? What else was in there? Just just, Mm. uh, house sparrow number one, and then blue tit, starling, wood pigeon, blackbird, robin, goldfinch, great tit, magpie, chaffinch. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. That is curious. But still not Jay. No. 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 I've written an article about that recently. What about the increase in Jays? Mm. About about the bird watch at the numbers. Oh, really? You know, I just love because small birds are in it. They're the most common bird. I'd love to to know what the most, like, the crazy, you know, is there anyone who's seen, like, a bitten in their garden? People had a head hair. Really? Yeah, but the thing is, they've started not publicising the really rare ones because people. People are going Twitter, like, Mm. yeah, yeah. People make up stuff. Well, people don't. With the easy stuff, they can kind of go, yeah, you probably did see that. When yeah. someone says, I saw a blah, blah. Saw I a crane. Saw, yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. not this. Saw a nightingale in Inverness. You know, it's very yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah. Very Singing hard. in February. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They, um, do, they do get all sorts of records. Six beasts of reptile, Fergus. Slow worm. Paddy. Well, yeah, I also wrote a slow worm. Oh, we I wrote right. grass snake, but then, then I decided oh, to, to, to yeah. I went for an adder. Yay! Yeah, yeah. oh, I get it. To Brit. We could have done three for three if we if I'd stuck to my mm. yeah. A state beginning with M, Paddy. I went for uh, Missouri. <laughs> Did you hear that as well? Yes, oh wow! Well. Massachusetts. Well, yeah, <laughs> Brit has killed this round. Yeah. What did you say? You went for Missouri. Missouri yeah, yeah. I went through so, all of them and thought, oh, Maryland. That's a little obvious, you know. Wow. So nine points you got from those three. Might have to wow. learn, that a, learn could, a rap. That could just... Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's getting close. Crazy. Um, Any one... Well, the, the, there's 45 bridges oh. in... In oh. Bristol? Yeah. Crossing. Wow. I wouldn't have... I wouldn't If have, you got anywhere near it... No, I've got 34. Oh. Which I don't think is close no. enough. No. 27. Do you not get a point for being closest? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you get? Uh, no, I went for 14. Okay, so you get a point. I get one yeah. point. And a city that's also in the list of the top 10 happiest cities oh, to work. Manchester. Manchester's in there. Liverpool. Liverpool's in there. I went Brighton. Brighton's in there. Yeah, that's where we get three, three points each. Three points. I guess do a quick tally. Oh. Oh. oh, only 15. So I'm like to. Uh, I think you've uh, that last round might have 20 oh. it's all down to Patrick 15 it's oh. oh. a wrap off yeah. <laughs> goodness silver, silver. <laughs> seconds this is your <laughs> massively <laughs> underwhelming prize wow which Thank you can you so open so, and um, I'll explain for it for the listeners who can't see this it's um, an envelope with a card. Himself with a card. card, which I'm actually really struggling to get out. With a corn bunting on it. With a corn bunting. And a and leaf. And a leaf inside. And that is a lucky leaf. A lucky leaf. Every autumn, I catch 12 leaves to bring luck for the following year. And I caught an extra one for luck. And I so that's the lucky leaf. 
that'll bring you luck for the whole that next year. That is lovely. I'm honoured. But as the winner, I feel like maybe I don't need luck. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe true. it should go to the loser. <laughs> so <laughs> no, but thank you. I'm very, very pleased. Is that thir- a lucky leaf? It's thirteenth, but it does carry luck. It does carry luck. I don't, yeah. Officially, I mean, it, it looks lucky. It does. It, it does. does. It's lucky, a beach yeah. leaf. It's yellow and that's crunchy. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, um, Brit, congratulations. <gasps> Thank you so much. That's Thank you. Oh, I can have applause. I like applause. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. bowing for yes. those who can't see. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. Um, brilliant. Thank you, Kev. Wonderful. No, that was that's uh, great fun. But um, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Patrick. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you, thank Brit, you. for stepping in. And thank you for being so marvellous. Um, and that's it from us for 2022. Have I hope you've had a fantastic Christmas. Have a brilliant New Year. And we'll be back on the 10th of January with our new season of Mindful Walks in Nature. So listen out for that. We've got some great guests. From these great guests in the studio, and from me and Brit and the podcast team, it's goodbye.